Hello, and welcome to another episode of the United Nations House Scotland podcast. My name is Hannah Shono. And I'm Hannah Lawrence. Today is a slightly unusual episode. We are following a roundtable format with the different UNA Scotland branch offices to talk about their branches and their experiences with UNA. A United Nations Association, or UNA, is a non-governmental organization that operates under the wider umbrella of the World Federation of United Nations Associations. They exist to enhance the relationship between the people and the UN. There are over 100 UNAs in the world and currently eight branches in Scotland. So I think to first start off with, I'd just like to invite you all to introduce yourselves. Um, Simon, would you care to go first? Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Simon, uh, originally from Norway, but I lived in Scotland for the past 10 years. Um, my kind of way I got into UNA Edinburgh was basically as a um, UN house intern back uh, five, six years ago, and then I kind of moved into to the UNA branch. So. I'm uh, currently advising UNHR Scotland on fundraising uh, every now and then, but I'm mainly uh, liaising between the UNA Edinburgh branch and uh, UNA Scotland. Great, thank you so much, Simon. Nigel? Yes, I, <clears throat> I came to Aberdeen in 1967 to become a young assistant lecturer in philosophy at the University of Aberdeen. And after several years of settling in up here, I got involved in something called the Aberdeen World Poverty Association. and. Uh, as a result of being invited to represent uh, Aberdeen World Poverty Association at the UNA branch then, which had, had then had over 100 members, I did so and found uh, it absolutely fascinating, the range of things that were being discussed, that I found myself immediately put on the committee, and the rest is history. I'll say more about that in a moment, but I should actually add that um, my interest in philosophy, particularly over the last 20 years or so, I've been retired for a while now, um, has been in global issues, global ethics. And so my philosophical interests in global ethics match very much my um, practical interest in, in, in geo work, including working in UNA. Thank you, Nigel. So would you like to go next? Hi, I'm Zatiwe and I'm from the Sterling branch. I'm also originally from Zimbabwe. Um, I was always interested in the work of the UN and um, was looking for an internship that would be based on the values. And I found the United Nations House Scotland and um, the rest is history, so they say. Thank you, so Laura? Yes, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Laura, I guess you know that already. Uh, I am part of the Dundee branch. Um, as I think almost everyone here, I'm not from Scotland. I'm originally from Spain. I came to Scotland to study politics and international relations and the rest is history. I was really interested in international relations and the mission of the UN and that's how I ended up here. Great, thank you, Laura. Elena? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Elena. Um, I'm studying international relations at the University of Dundee and I'm an intern at UN House. I take care of the website. I'm also working on a few other projects and I'm here today because I'm in the Dundee branch. Thank you, Elena. Jureen? Yeah, hi, I'm Jereen. I'm a co-founder of UNA St. Andrews, and that society was founded in um, 2018. I'm half Japanese, half Filipina, and I'm about to graduate from St. Andrews with a degree in biology and economics. Thank you, Jereen. And finally, last but not least, Michael. 
Hey everyone, um, my name is Michael. Um, I'm currently trying to form the Highlands and Islands UNA, although we're still in the process of finding members. Uh, I have a background in humanities, but also science and tech. Um, I mostly work on energy related sustainability, which is where I'm based. Thank you so much. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what has motivated you to join or form your UNA branch? We'll start with Jareen. Yeah, so um, what motivated me to start, um, I guess, is based on, well, as a backstory, um, Dr. Gary Dunn, who is the executive director of UN House of Scotland, did a guest um, lecture at uh, when I was in first year and studied sustainable development. And that's where she mentioned that she really wants to reignite the UNA St. Andrews. And that's kind of what got me into um, co-founding the branch. But I think personally, what motivated me was that I used to do MUN in high school and I got to interact with a lot of sustainable development issues. And I really wanted to create more opportunities for students to engage in UN related work, whether it be professional training or creating fundraisers or speakers events. So that's kind of what's been my motivation of building a UNA branch in St. Andrews. Fantastic, thank you. How about you, Nigel? Well, <clears throat> as I said, I, I went to this UNA meeting as a representative of another organization, but was so fascinated by the range of things that were discussed at that meeting. <clears throat> I felt uh, happy to join the committee and after a few years became chair and have been so on and off since. But I think the thing that really got me interested was the fact that I was already with an international attitude um, and vaguely supportive of the UN uh, already. Um, I, I was fascinated by the fact that it dealt with development issues, which I was really getting an interest in, world poverty. Uh, environmental issues, war and peace issues, human rights issues, the whole lot of them. And my philosophical thinking made me feel that if you're going to consider global ethics, you have to consider them in the round in a comprehensive way. And so I, I felt that this is an organization which represented that comprehensiveness of approaches. Um, uh, many of organizations are very worthy, whether it's Oxfam or Amnesty International, that focus on one particular aspect in particular, and I support them too. But UNA supported the range and tried to see it all uh, as a whole. So that, I think, initially was what really drew me into getting involved in UNA. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, how about you, Elena? Well, for me, what motivated me to be part of the committee of the UNA Dundee branch was um, because I was especially interested about the work done by international organizations um, such as the UN and I thought it could be a great chance to gain new skills that we don't necessarily learn at university as well as to meet people working in this field. That's great thank you so much. How about you Zoe? My journey was kind of similar to that of Jureen, Simon and uh, Gary both suggested that I could start a branch in Sterling, which I thought was pretty exciting because like Jureen had done MUN throughout high school and enjoyed learning about the UN and the work it does. And I wanted to promote that on a wider scale in Sterling. So I decided that this is like an amazing opportunity to do that. Fantastic, thank you. Laura? Yeah, I think similarly to Elena, I almost always admired the work of international organizations such as the UN. And I saw 
the UNA branch as, you know, as a way to kind of a hub to meet people with similar interests. And I think that's what drew me to join it and eventually become part of the committee. That's great. Michael? Yeah, I think very similar to everyone else again. Um, I've always been interested in international relations and I actually joined the UNA UK. I sort of enjoyed the magazines and various sort of events that were um, organised that uh, I basically wanted a local to talk about these global challenges. Thanks so much, Michael. Simon, you're last. How about you? It was more of a coincidence for me, to be honest. Um, it was uh, someone who introduced me to Dr. Gary Don, who has been mentioned before um, a few years back, uh, introduced me to, to you in House Scotland and suggested I, you know, became involved and I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, as I went into the professional life, I find it a bit more hard to to be involved with you in house uh, as I used to because of um, time commitment. So I thought being part of the branch was really a good way to keep connected to the community while when you don't have as much time because obviously as, as the others are fascinated by the work and the values and I think it's it's great to be able to play a little part in in uh, spreading and promoting those values in Scotland. Great, thank you so much everyone for your answers and I think you've already touched on this next question that I'm going to ask you but why or in what way do you think UNA is important and do you think that there need to be any improvements and if so what kind of improvements? Um, Nigel I want to ask you first just because I think that um, you have everyone else really um, really kind of formulated already an answer to this question. Well um, I think that the United Nations Association is important because it's a tangible bridge between people and the United Nations. And one of the things that Kevin Hutchins, our vice chair, keeps on saying, and I say too, is it, the charter says we the peoples of the United Nations. It's not just the government, it's the peoples. And so the UNA represents a sort of manifestation of that people involvement. Um, and I think UNA is also important for a reason which um, not everyone necessarily agree with. I think you would all now, but certainly in the past, they didn't. And that is, to me, um, the United Nations Association represents an attitude of what I call critical loyalty towards the UN. And the reason I say that slightly controversial in the past was that I remember about 20 years ago, when Malcolm Harper was the director of UNA UK, he came to Aberdeen to give us a, a talk. And the, it was on the Sunday. And I remember he and I went for a walk up the local, I won't say mountain, a hill called Benaghi, uh, before we came down and he gave the talk. And we had a great long chat about the United Nations Association and what kind of a beast it was. And I said, it seemed to me that it was very important that we supported the UN but we didn't so in a, do so in a spirit of blind loyalty. It just had to be right in everything it did. And he said, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but I said, I got the impression that quite a lot of older members, because um, I was quite young then, <laughs> the members of the UNA often thought of the UNA as that body which supported the UN through thick and thin, whatever it did. Um, often people have been involved in the League of Nations Association before. 
Uh, and I think that represented a sea change or gradual shift in thinking about the function of the UNA. Uh, and I certainly think nowadays it's very important for us to recognize that the UN has its faults, things go wrong. And we don't just say it's always right in what it does, but we do this in what I call the spiritual attitude of spiritual law, um, sorry, of, of um, critical loyalty, um, uh, not um, blind support. Um, so I think that's one reason why the UNA is important. Thank you so much, Nigel. Um, I, yes, I, I completely agree with everything that you said. And I also see Laura nodding. So not to put you on the spot, Laura, but I was wondering, what do you think as well to what Nigel said? And also your thoughts as well, your own thoughts. I think Nigel was taking a lot of comments out of my mouth. <laughs> I think I agree with a lot of things you said. Uh, maybe to add something a bit more current, I'd say, especially now that after this pandemic, we're all more isolated than ever. I think UNA has become this place where we all come together, kind of like a little community, I guess, of people that think the same and wanna, you know, fight against the social issues around the world. And I don't know, I feel like we've created this little community that's fighting that isolation we are seeing around the world right now. Yes, definitely. Um, Simon, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, echoing much of what's been said already, I just think it's you know, really important to how UNA is as a direct link between grassroots communities and the UN and you know some like uh, organizations or branches that are able to hold the UN to account and make sure that uh, grassroots voices are heard. Doreen would you like to come in on anything that's been said or any uh, give any of your thoughts? Yeah um, I think for sure UNA definitely encompasses encompasses various SDGs and then it attracts a wide range of socially motivated members as a result. So I think it gives them a platform to allow these members to like further the issues that they're passionate about and make a positive difference locally. But regarding improvements, when I thought about it, I think definitely every UNA is quite important and unique. And perhaps um, UNA has been making improvements the past few years with more youth UNAs popping up over the years. But um, I think a lot of the university-related UNAs tend to be MUN groups. And while I think that's really great because it stimulates the UN, I think it would be great to see more youth UNAs that are focused on fundraising and raising awareness as well. And like understand that being a UNA could mean very different um, ways for different groups. That's really interesting. So I was wondering what you feel about this, especially since you mentioned MUN, I believe you are a part of alongside uh, with Jureen and um, you're also founding a student branch. Well, in terms of MUN, um, there was already an MUN society in Sterling. So we just generally don't tend to focus on that, but I'll come to that a bit further on. I, I do agree with what everyone said. I think for me, the UNA is a way to connect areas of work that the UN does with the public, allowing for a approach to participation and engagement in important areas. And I think um, in light of these virtual platforms, I think we're gonna see such amazing collaborations between the UNAs, because I think there's a lot that we can offer when we work together. So that's what I'm excited to see going forward. Thank you so much though. Michael? I think probably just echoing a lot of what everyone else has said. Um, yeah, on the same point as Nigel, I think the UN in itself, it seems to enshrine various values that um, in its charter that need to be understood it from a wider perspective um, and more people to be able to sort of access that and know about it. Uh, when local remedies don't work, the public sort of look to 
international organizations to, to cover the bases. Uh, so it's vital that everyone understands how this works. Um, and I think the UNA is a, a really good way of linking up that sort of international uh, mechanisms to people, um, helping people to understand them. Uh, improvements wise, I think I'd just probably agree with Durin that, that just wider groups and people who wouldn't normally be involved, um, any way of trying to do that is, is less straightforward, I think, try and get more inclusive and um, yeah, try, try and find more people who can be involved. Nigel, would you like to come in? Yes, I didn't realize answer the question about improvement and others have, but I just wanted to add a little footnote to this that um, when I first joined UNA, it was very much a branch run organization in the sense that every annual conference branches would put up motions and counter motions and we'd have great debates and so on and so forth. And going to the annual conference was a very exciting occasion. But over the years, that became less and less prominent. And you may remember a number of years ago, um, the whole structure was changed. So it's become a much more organization at UK level that is run by the executive committee. And the branches are more there uh, to give feedback informally from time to time through the board representatives like Dorothea, uh, and also to hear what's happening at the centre and promote what the centre is doing. And I do wonder whether we shouldn't be moving back more to a, 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 a way in which um, um, branches have a bit more say, to say, and interaction in the way policies are made. Um, Lena, would you like to come in? Yeah, I think UNA is very important because it's a it's a bridge between the formal work done by the UN and the civil society, like Nigel said before. And it's also a farther way to engage with people and raise their awareness about world issues and how international organizations face these challenges, which get very lost, especially lately. Um, in terms of improvement, I think the work done by UNA is, is one of great value. Uh, and there's very little that I would personally change about this organization. Uh, I would love to see even more young people come up with projects they care about, but I'm already seeing the number of initiatives uh, increasing at every meeting we have. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, those are some really salient points about uh, the larger infrastructure uh, of UNA. So. I do want to zoom it down a little bit, and next we're going to talk a bit about your specific UNAs. Um, so if you could just talk a little bit about your UNA's aims and how they correspond with the concerns that UNA tries to address, the SDGs, peace and security, and human rights. We can start with Laura, if that's okay. Sure. Our main goal, I think, is to make the UN work more approachable, if that makes sense. I think bringing what's a huge international organization back to students um, and we try to keep them engaged by having, you know, guest speakers work in the UN to get their first-hand experience of what they're working on. We try to engage with different topics, like you were saying, such as climate change and SDGs and human rights violations, two different activities. And I think by having a wide range of, of things, we make sure everyone's really aware of, of a wide range, I'm saying that word so much, but a wide range of, of issues and activities and concerns that UNA focuses on. I don't know if Elena maybe has some thoughts on it. Yeah, pretty much what you said, Laura. Um, yeah, we, we would like to promote the values of the, of the UN and the, what they do, what they work on all over the world. And we would like to get our peers involved 
in, in their work um, to make them more aware of what's going on because it, it, we feel it's something very important to know and we want them to care as well. Thank you so much. How about you, Zoe? And currently we're working with Global Justice Sterling and Student Action for Refugees to make Sterling a place of sanctuary for refugees, which is a really exciting and big project for us. Uh, we also do a lot of fundraisers. Um, we raised more than hundred pounds for uh, a refugee settlement in Scotland. And we also raised more than hundred pounds for relief in Australia during the wildfires. And that's kind of something we just wanna keep doing as we go forward. Um, but yeah, basically these events provide opportunities for people to congregate, collaborate, and engage with issues facing the world and discuss ways that we can kind of move forward as locals. That's fantastic. Wow. Um, thank you so much. How about you, Nigel? Well, I suppose um, I'm probably taking a bit of a longer view than most of you because you probably appreciate that I've been involved in the UNA branch in Aberdeen over a very long period. I think it'd be fair to say we, we've really covered a whole range of things that I mentioned earlier. We've certainly been interested in development of aid issues. We've been interested in environmental issues and now lastly, climate change issues. We, we organized something last autumn on climate and the pandemic and so on, um, and also peace and security. But every year we do try and do something on human rights around or on Human Rights Day. Uh, sometimes it's a big public meeting, I remember once or twice we've done a quiz with the student branch and so on. So we always try and do something on that. So basically, you know, we try and cover the range of things that the UNA is interested in. Thank you so much. How about you? How about you, Simon? Um, broadly speaking, our aims uh, are to promote the UN's aims, really, uh, to make people aware or how the UN works and to make people to become more supportive of UN's activities. So I would say really very much corresponds quite well to all the SDGs and human rights because we really try to co correspond to the core values of the UN. Thank you. Um, how about you, Michael or Jareen? Do you have something you'd like to say as well? Um, yeah, well, I, I guess we're I'm relatively new to the um, branch, so the branch is not really set up as yet. But the um, I guess the main um, focus around here is often sustainability um, from an energy and an environmental perspective. Uh, so I guess main aim of, of the branch up here is to widen that out a little bit more and try and get some of the other SDGs as well as um, how they're related to human rights and peace and security um, uh, discussed locally. So uh, we, we have had an event previously um, around the SDGs and we're hoping to um, organize a sustainability alliance actually locally um, that will try and bring lots and lots of actors together um, from different organizations and showcase, showcase what's happening on sustainable development. Mm -hmm. These sound fantastic. Thank you so much. Last up is Jareen. Yeah, um, I was thinking about that. And I think um, UNA St. Andrews could, could be quite different in a sense that rather than getting people to engage in SDGs for the first time, maybe because lots of our students are IR and um, econ uh, sustainable development students as well, 
I think we are focused on furthering the passions of the members that we already have. So we try to generally get feedback and pursue the passion that m members tell us that they want to see rather than us relying on telling people like, oh, you know, sharing like the work of the UN, if that makes sense. Um, it's more about that um, furthering the passion. But I definitely think that based on the what UN is up to, for example, the fact that we have the COP26 coming up or we have the Human Rights Day, um, that sort of thing, we think through it and we create issues that are related to that theme for sure. But I found it really interesting that Zoe talked about how Sterling focuses on specific SDGs each semester, because we really debated in St. Andrews on whether we should do that over here as well, because that does give a narrow focus and it, in a really good way where you're able to really um, focus and expand on it. But I think for now, we've kind of tried to get um, in touch with different SDGs as possible. But um, yeah, that's something that I think is really interesting that Sterling is doing. And maybe that's something that St. Andrews might want to think about adopting as well. Thank you so much, Jureen. And actually, as you were speaking, I kind of, um, I was wondering how reliant are UNAs on membership and appealing to members' interests? Um, just because it's something you said brought it up about how you kind of uh, cater to or kind of uh, try to take on uh, members' suggestions and what they're interested in and kind of go in that direction. So I was just wondering your thoughts on, on how reliant UNAs are on membership. Um, personally, for UNA St. Andrews, I think we are one. I think when you further someone's passion, it kind of really, um, I guess that ownership theory where you really feel strongly about it some more. So then you're more engaged in it. You're more likely to also advocate for UNA St. Andrews further and or like the UN issues and sustainable development goals further as well, because it's already in your interest. So um, I think just psychologically nudge theory wise, it just seemed like a better way of um, doing it for us because we're quite that we do have a lot of students right understood and I kind of want to open this question up as well to everyone else just just in case anyone has it so any thoughts on um on this question about how reliant UNAs are on membership and appealing to members interests yeah I think I can relate to Joran's case a lot I think UNA Dundee also functions as a student-run society um so because you know we depend on student membership we kind of have to adapt to what students want to see um, so we're really reliant on memberships um, and members being part of the UNA. I also think because we're students and there's such a heavy rotation of people graduating and coming students, we kind of keep have to keep our interests very varied. So everyone has like something they can relate on or something they can really, that really appeals to them to keep on being a member. Great, thank you so much, Laura. Um, just before we move on, I just wanted to check if anyone else has any thoughts on this question as well. Um, Michael? Yeah, I guess I guess it was from the perspective of a community, um, a small community actually, even more in a rural community. Um, it's very different perspective, I guess, a, a separated community too, because it's not. Um, there's a couple of towns, but a lot of people are in the countryside as well. Um, so it's it's a very different perspective than from a university um, view, I guess. Uh, here. Yeah membership is um, very much down to trying to find out what local organizations are interested in um, and trying to get people who are from local organizations and are very keen on certain things to get involved. So it's more, more down to um, 
uh, what skills and what interests are already out there in the community? Thank you so much, Michael. Um, so could you give us an idea of what sort of activities you have already done with your different UNA branches or any activities you plan to do with your branch um, and outline how these activities help or will help bridge the gap between the UN and the people? Um, Simon, I'd like to start with you. Yeah, we um, we mostly have uh, talks uh, at UNA Edinburgh, uh, so it's usually you know one one topic each time. So we have um, this this spring uh, we have three different talks actually, which I think give quite a good example of the different types of talks we have. Uh, one of them, which we had recently, was um, held by UNA UK's uh, Yemen campaigner, and he encouraged through that talk uh, attendees to lobby their MPs who could then lobby government to to stop contributing to, to the war in uh, Yemen. We also have coming up a talk about um, one of our members who went to the commission uh, on the status of women uh, at the UN and she tell us about her experiences there and kind of make people aspire to to be part of the UN system and see how, how you can get involved with the actual UN. And then we also have a talk coming up uh, from a person who used to work uh, in the UN system uh, with peacekeeping. So you have that kind of experience of someone who's been in, yeah, involved in diff different entities at the UN uh, also at different times. So I think that kind of shows you the kind of variety of different focus areas we have. Uh, so it's maybe not as outreach as many of the other branches, but we're also lucky to have you in house often uh, based in Edinburgh. So we just support them with many events as well, which are a bit more outreach and kind of communicating and uh, with, with uh, you know, the public and also lobbying politicians to, to take action. So yeah, so quite a few things going on. Thank you so much, Simon. So? This semester, our focus has mainly been uh, climate change and refugees. So we've had seminars on divestment and the green economy. We've had um, two fundraising activities for refugees. We've also had um, collaboration events with other societies who are also working towards refugees where we had lectures and allowed to have informal discussions. In general, we also tend to have quizzes, seminars, open mics, and in person, maybe some scavenger hunts. We like to have a bit of fun every once in a while, um, but yeah. Thank you so much though. Jereen? Yeah, so with UNA St. Andrews, we created several subcommittees and the reasons behind them was because we wanted to kind of engage with sustainable development goals in different ways as much as possible. So one subcommittee we, that we have is the parliamentary parliamentary one-pagers group and that group um, creates a one-pager which is like an infograph kind of thing or briefing papers and about a bill that is currently discussed at the Scottish Parliament and then they send that over to the Scottish Parliament uh, so for the members of the Scottish Parliamentarians to read. But um, I think the reason why we created that was because we wanted to give students the opportunity for professional writing and research experience, as well as, you know, really get them fired up and motivated that they're making a political difference. So that was like our one aspect. Another thing that we have is the events subcommittee. And we've had um, the events subcommittee um, 
create events that are related to human trafficking, but also our recent speakers event has been related to criticizing the UN and reflecting upon like um, the um, ways that they could UN itself could improve. And I think these kinds of events are really important because members have the opportunity to learn more about issues that they're passionate about and invite speakers that they want to invite, but then it also engages with other um, students out that are not members as well. And our third subcommittee is the fundraising subcommittee. And that fundraising subcommittee focuses on, um, for example, creating mini concerts in the pub that um, to raise money for natural disasters, or we've also had like pub quizzes as well. And the importance of that subcommittee is to learn how to creatively raise money that um, they're passionate about instead of just, you know, relying on big sales. And I think it also provides them an opportunity to understand that fundraising is not just about raising money, but also finding ways to reach people who are not necessarily socially motivated to engage with these issues. So we have these different subcommittees that members could be part of. And um, I think that just gives them a very good variation on what UNAs could be. Thank you so much, Julian, for that very detailed explanation. Um, Nigel, would you like to go next? Yes, I must say, listening to what you've all been saying, which we are quite <laughs> amazed at just the amount of energy and variety of things these student branches are doing, and it's amazing. I think we as a, a town branch that's been going for a long time have a, have a, have a slightly more staid programme, but, but um, over the years we've had mainly talks on all the range of topics you can think of. Um, and some of them have been fairly informal and small scale. But I think one of the advantages of having a long, long run here is that we've developed quite a relationship with the city council. And there's an absolutely marvelous ceremonial hall called the Town and County Hall in Aberdeen, which UNA has used over the years quite a number of times for big events, which the, the Lord Provost at the time is willing to finance from the Common Good Fund. <laughs> We've been uh, occasionally had really big events. The last big one was in um, about December the 10th in 2018 when we celebrated the UN um, Declaration of Human Rights 70th birthday. And the Lord Provost spoke of that, and we had a lot of things happening there. And we would have had something um, last year, <laughs> of course, the UN 75, and that was planned, but that was all cancelled. Um, we have, during the pandemic, had two. Um, very successful um, Zoom seminars. One, as I said, last October on um, uh, climate change and the pandemic. Um, uh, and, but then, as some of you know, because you're involved in it, um, Aberdeen Branch has been involved in the planning of from Paris to COP26. And uh, we, we hosted um, a very well attended seminar on Zoom on, on, in March. Uh, part of Aberdeen's Climate Week or Beast activities, um, this full event promoting this tremendous series of events that's going to happen later this year. So that's something we've been we've been involved in uh, re recently. We are thinking of uh, doing not a talk, but a walk fairly soon, because we're now allowed to do so. We might sort of have a kind of therapeutic walk in, in the sense that we will have some topic which we'll discuss during the walk and sit down and, 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 and summarize what we're saying. That's something we, we hope, hope to do. Um, I mean, we have done one or two other things. One thing I remember a few years ago when we had a, 
for just a, a year or so, a very dynamic secretary who was a musician herself, and she um, was well known in a, in a bar in downtown Aberdeen. Every Monday evening, there was a, um, a music evening on a theme. And so from time to time, it was a theme relevant to UNA like peace. And she'd get some of us to go along. And we got a free pint if we did a contribution. <laughs> so uh, I, I got one or two free pints by talking about some of UN topics. Anyway, that's just a little bit of a, a flavor of what we're up to or have been up to. Thank you so much, Nigel. And for our listeners, um, the Paris to COP26 initiative that Nigel was talking about, you can find further information on that on the UNHS website. Um, and you can also register uh, to their different events that are coming up soon, I believe, on the website as well. And we'll also put a link to that in the description. Um, Michael, would you like to go next? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, well, as I said, we're quite new um, and just getting started. So most of actually what we've been doing is, is more around um, getting a network locally together, so around sustainability mainly, um, and, and trying to build up momentum for interest around it. So I guess the Highlands and Islands UNA is, is more of a, a sort of hub to try and bring lots of other people to, into um, talking about the same things. Um, so through that, we, we've been looking at um, providing information to people. So we've been doing lots of um, uh, uh, bringing together um, data to a certain extent about sustainability um, and even producing a dashboard at one point, which is quite exciting. Um, and then looking towards doing um, a voluntary review locally um, on sustainability. Um, which is quite related to a lot of the work that's going on with the SDG Network Scotland, which I'll um, put a shout out for anybody who's interested in sustainable development. It's a really good network to be involved in. Um, we've also tried to look into arts events around um, sustainability and climate change. Um, and try to work, we're trying to work with the museums and art centres here. Um, there's also an event coming up that we're working, it actually is Aberdeen based um, through SUI, the Scottish University's Insight Institute, um, who is a, a sustainable development um, funder. Um, and Aberdeen University is doing a Just Transition um, programme. So we're trying to be involved in that too. Um, that's probably about it. Yeah, so we, we do a few informal events as well where people can just come and listen to um, somebody who's working on uh, something related to um, sustainability usually, but, but maybe UN orientated too. Thank you so much, Michael. And I also like to highlight to our listeners again, um, even though you've mentioned this already, that Michael has only just formed the UNA Highlands and Islands branch. So it's very impressive that you've been able to, to put all of this together um, in such a short span of time. Um, Elena, would you like to speak on behalf of UNA Dundee? So at UNA Dundee, we've recently hosted a series of events with the University of Dundee alumni that went on to work in the UN relevant fields. Uh, these conversations were a great chance for students to connect with people that received their education at our same institution and had a successful career, which was also thanks to their experience at Dundee. 
we we all had a lot of engagement by students who had the opportunity to ask questions and advice to speakers and were very inspired by these talks and we also laura and i are involved in the from paris to cop 26 initiative at UN house uh, for which we work as the communications team thank you so much um, everybody for talking about all of your varied activities. I think it's so interesting that uh, you're all looking to reach similar goals and you're doing it in such different and innovative ways. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that's a good kind of foray into the next question, which gets uh, a bit more infrastructure-y. Uh, and, and that's, so all of you represent different uh, UNA branches across Scotland. Um, do you think it's necessary for there to be multiple UNAs in one country? Uh, and why do you think that is or isn't? Um, the answer is definitely yes. It is a good idea to have lots of branches in Scotland and the UK more generally. Uh, I'll give you two reasons, there could be more. Um, one reason is that uh, lots of people like to relate to a local organization rather than a bigger organization. So some people will want to get involved at the local level. And since there's a local branch, they can get involved. If there wasn't a local branch, they wouldn't. The second reason is that it seems to me, from the point of view of PR and promoting UNA UK, uh, it's very helpful if UNA UK can say, there are so many branches in Scotland, there are so many branches in the UK. In other words, the more branches there are, not just the more members, but the more branches there are, creates an impression of a solid organization. Thank you so much. How about you, Simon? Yeah, I agree with Nigel that it's uh, vital. Um, I think, you know, firstly, I think countries are so diverse within themselves. I think that's the main reason for me, because, you know, people often tend to see countries as uniform kind of entities that have the same interests, but whereas in reality, there's often more differences within the country than there are between capitals of different countries, for instance. So uh, just you think about the highlands and islands, they're vastly different kind of demographics, geography and interests to, to Edinburgh. So I think it would be wrong for us to speak about what's going on in the highlands and what's important there uh, when they know it better themselves. So yeah, I, th I think it's really vital and also going back to the very core of what UNA should be about, you know, grassroots communities. And I think, you know, in order to make grassroots voices heard, you need to have these different localized branches to, to communicate and, yeah, and catch that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. How about you, Laura? Yeah, I agree. I always think the more the merrier. <laughs> Um, I also think if we decentralize it, right, so if there's more branches around Scotland, we also have the opportunity for more people to engage, create their own projects and have different voices and more diversity as well. Um, I also think going outside of COVID, if we ever do, hopefully we do, um, you know, we're not going to be holding online events anymore. So it's going to be more, much more accessible for everyone. There's no need to travel to attend events and you can just find your local branch and engage with it, which I think would be amazing. That's great. Thank you, Laura. How about you, Michael? Yeah, a resounding yes. I think localization is, is so important. Um, the, the disconnect between people, uh, local and national governments, as well as international governance, is kind of is really obvious at the moment. Um, and people can be actively hostile about um, the work of international organizations. Um, and having a friendly face that 
that um, can discuss these things and also show what things are actually a national or local responsibility rather than international to a certain extent. Um, helping local people to understand what the processes are at all different levels and how they can influence it um, or hold these processes to account is, is really important for empowerment and, and equitable access to, um, well, to, to <laughs> in influencing this. Um, and yeah, every area, as people have said, has its own priorities. So. Um, having a local branch is really important. Thank you so much. So did anybody else have anything else to say? It seems it's, it's definitely unanimous. The, the more local, the better. Um, and, and, and I do agree with you on that. Um, but if that's all for that question, we'll just move on to the next one. Thank you guys. Great. So we've already touched on this slightly. I think some of your answers um, touched on this slightly, but I was wondering, how important is youth engagement to UNA, specifically youth engagement? Um, I know that I believe it was Jereen who talked about um, how, how she, since she's a student um, branch, UNA St. Andrews is a student branch, they kind of, they mainly cater towards um, the, the youth. Uh, so I was wondering how important that is to engage such young members. Um, so would you like to go first? I'd say, yeah, youth engagement is very, very important because some of the loudest voices right now are coming from the youth, that there's like a lot of energy and passion that's kind of reinforced by the internet, which has kind of widened accessibility to information, which has increased engagement. So if that can be funneled into making a difference in the world, I think that it's something that we should continue to promote and encourage. Definitely. Jureen, would you like to follow up on that? Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with Zoe, where I think, you know, since we're the next generation, we definitely um, need to have more youth engagement in the UNA. And when I think about um, what it's like when I attend the meetings at the UNA UK, there's definitely not that many youth organizations attending as much as we would like. So um, it would be great to see more youth UNAs be part of the bigger um, meetings with the UNA UK overall. I noticed that with youth organizations, they tend to be a lot of university students. And so it would also be really good to see high schoolers be involved with UNA as well. And so maybe that's something that we as um, branch members should focus on kind of expanding in the far future. Or sorry, not far future, maybe near future. Thank you, Jereen. Um, Laura, would you like to come in? So yeah, I think I agree with what everyone's been saying. I think um, yeah, as Julian was saying, the youth, it's the new generation that's going to become leaders and change makers of the world. So why not listen to them and make them participants of, of what's happening right now, right? Um, I'd love to see people participate, not only participate, but also, you know, be part of committees and be kind of youth leaders, because that's what we need. And I also think we can bring a new perspective on, on problems that have been in the world for a very long time. So I'd, I'd love for that to be something to see more in the near future. Thank you so much, Laura. Um, Simon, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I would just you know, agree with the fact that it's just really important. But I think what's even more important is to uh, retain those young people. I think that's kind of the biggest issue we have now. You see, I think a few people have touched upon as well that many people are involved for a few years, then they go, go elsewhere uh, and they're not involved anymore. Uh, that kind of creates um, the problem of sustainability for the branches and continuity. So yeah, you can see many, some many at least the town branches now are quite aging. So 
maybe we need to find ways to modernize to to keep those young people involved. Nigel, are you also having uh, a town branch? Are you also facing the same problem? Oh yes, it's 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 a, indeed a problem. We're aging and trying to find new blood and so on. But my answer to the question is: uh, is the evidence on this screen <laughs> uh, that virtually everyone on the screen is more in the youth bracket as were? I was a student or just recently a student. And if it weren't for that involvement, then it would be a conversation I'd have it, be having with Michael, possibly, no one else. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that uh, um, the input of your generation is absolutely crucial um, for the reasons already mentioned. But it's also crucial for people uh, of, of older generations, including my, my generation, because um, it, it, the Aberdeen branch you know, has kept going ever since it was founded, but over many years it's gone up and down like a yo-yo, and sometimes it's hardly functioned, and sometimes it's got really active again. And it's had a long history of this going up and down in terms of levels of activity. It's often the times when it's much more active. It's when it has a good relationship with the university branch. It's where some university branch people feel they want to work with us. One or two of them sometimes come onto our committee. And it just gives us a, a shot in the arm and some energy. Um, and it's been really helpful. There were some other times we found that the university branch, because of the particular people involved, aren't particularly interested in collaborating with us. So um, it's also been very helpful for us as a branch to have that input from the student branches um, as well. So um, that's incredibly important. Thank you so much, Nigel. Michael, do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, again, I'm just going to say it's, it's so very, very important. Um, uh, I think, um, uh, yeah, picking up on Nigel's point, I think it, the, the sort of youth side of things. Well, here, uh, it's one of my things to do is to make sure that we're getting schools and the youth local youth forum on board as well, so that they can all be involved. Um, and it, I think it's so key because. Um, the youth know how important fairness, sustainability, peace, and all these things are, and we need them to remind their parents. Um, because right now, um, it's often the older generation, some of the older generation of it, that, that are, are we're sort of drowning. Um, we don't know what to do, and, and uh, we need some hope to a certain extent. Uh, and um, I think uh, that energy from the youth actually intergenerational um, working so working between everyone is what we need to try and push everything forwards so yeah it's key and it's it's how you work with everyone else as well thank you um yeah that's great thank you guys so much uh so it sounds like it's it's an intergenerational dialogue and and a continuity that we need to retain here and i think that's so important um so I think we're going into now the more personal questions. Um, uh, I think what I'll ask you is, so from your experiences with UNA, you've all been involved with UNA for different periods of time, and I recognize that. Um, but just in your experience so far, uh, what do you think you've learned and what sort of skills have you gained? Um, and to make this a three-parter, what is the biggest challenge you've faced in your position? Well, I suppose as a person who's been at it for longest, just because I'm that old, um, 
I have to say that it's it, uh, UNA has certainly been one of the avenues through which I've learned a lot about international issues. I mean, I remember in the early years, there were so many really interesting bits of literature coming my way from UNA UK, which I just absorbed and, and found fascinating. But about, I, I became chair of UNA in the late 70s, about the same time as I became chair of the Aberdeen World Poverty Association and something called Aberdeen One World Week Committee. And I, I have to say that I think it was as chair of UNA, amongst other things, I learned the skills such as I have of being a, of a chair. You learn it over time, and I've done many other bits of chairing since then. But I think it was in that period that I really learned a lot about what it was to chair a meeting, which is, is quite a challenge. I suppose the big challenge is, is for me, is that I seem to have gone on forever, but people, other people in the branch keep on coming and going. It's, it's long overdue, I find someone else is willing to be chair and take over from me. Um, and we have secretaries that pay for two or three years and then for one reason or another, either because they're students or they move on to something else, don't stay. Um, and so we, we really do need to have um, to build up um, a stronger base. We have a reasonable number of people on the committee now, but most people are not very active on it. The biggest challenge is to find a successor for me uh, and to find people with energy in the committee who will carry on the good work. So that's the answer to that second question. That's great. Thank you so much, Nigel. So, Elena? Thanks to UNA, I always had the chance to work uh, on projects and initiatives that I really care about. Um, I definitely improved my team working skills, as all projects involve working with other interns or members. Um, most importantly, I was so lucky to hear such inspiring individuals talk about world issues uh, I'm passionate about. Um, I think the biggest challenge I faced in my position is uh, definitely time management. Uh, since since this, all, uh, this is all extra work for us, we always need to make sure we have the time to follow our classes, take our exams, uh, and commit to our extra curricular activities such as, such as UNA Dundee and UNH Scotland. It's, it's often hard to fit everything in our schedule because we want to make sure we do our best for UNA, and I'm sure you all know what I mean. Thank you so much, Elena. Um, Simon? Yeah, I can totally echo what uh, Elena said about time management. I think that's, you know, to start with the negatives. Uh, yeah, I think that's my biggest challenge is, you know, when you have a nine to five job to kind of juggle that uh, with, with the commitments. Uh, uh, for for the branches because lots of things happen quite quickly and spontaneously and during the day as well so it's kind of juggling that with your work uh, but to to the positives in terms of skills i think the biggest asset for me has been kind of the communication skills you learn in terms of you know, meeting so many people from different backgrounds that you or that you learn to you know relate to um, and I think the positive side as well of of the time pressure is that you get used to working to tight deadlines and you get used to working flexibly and just, you know, throwing yourself around and, and everything's uh, pop up. Um, when I also learned kind of more in a broader level is kind of how many people are passionate about the values of the UN, how many people really want to make a difference. I think it's quite 
um, inspiring to see how much we can actually achieve um, if people, you know, stand together, united. I think a really good example is the treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons, which was which came into force earlier this year. That was very much kind of a grassroots push the way up. We can really see the tangible results that grassroots campaigning can have. And I think that's really inspiring and kind of reminds us why it's so important to, to continue what we do. Thank you, Simon. I couldn't agree more on both points. That it's wonderful and exhausting and difficult to juggle. Um, I'll go with Laura next. Yeah, I think I can relate to the exhausting part as well. Um, yeah, I think aside from meeting wonderful people like all of yourselves and being able to actually engage with topics, I don't think I would have been able to engage with otherwise. You know, engaging with from Paris to COP26 initiative, for example, being at the core meetings in the committee and having to make decisions on how events are planned. That, that stuff you don't have access to as a student. So it's been really amazing to develop skills such as leadership, communication, especially as a branch leader. There's so much things that go into it that I would have never guessed or imagined. But it's, it's been a roller coaster, but I would never have changed it for the world. I think. The biggest challenge, um, aside from time commitments and juggling everything, has been uh, keeping engagement up in the branch, especially coming, uh, you know, in the midst of COVID, where everything's online and people are kind of sick of looking at the screen all day. But I think it's taking a lot of trial and error, but we eventually got there, right, Elena? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank you, Laura. Um, I know Jereen had her hand up uh, earlier, so would you like to go? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Laura. I think definitely the, you know, it taught me the logistics of creating events and interacting with sustainable development goals at grassroots level in like different methods. And it definitely gave me the understanding of the complexity of implementing sustainable development goals, as well as the institution of the UN, like both positives and the improvements that are needed. And I think that's what's so valuable um, about joining a UNA. But when it comes to the challenge, I think starting a branch from scratch, like trying to figure out what the UNA St. Andrews would be, took quite a while. I think it took a year for us, like playing around with different sorts of engagements to figure out what we are as a society. And, you know, especially because every branch is so unique because the makeup of the members are different according to the location, that if I were to give an advice to someone, I would say, feel free to explore um, what your UNA is and get feedback from the locals around you and create your unique UNA. Thank you so much. That's really good advice. Um, Michael, yes. Yeah, I think I would just echo Jiren's point that, uh, it, yeah, it's getting getting it started is, is a big challenge and the engagement so it's again, linking with everyone else. Um, and also with Nigel as well, I've definitely learned to be a, a more impartial mediator um, because finding common ground between strong opinions and cultures uh, can be a challenge, um, but you just need to give it time and space and um, some views will be unchangeable, but you just have to accept it and keep trying to find a way forwards. Thank you so much. We've got a, a question that might ask you to, to expand on that a little bit more after this next question, um, so be prepared for that. Um, so we haven't heard from Zoe. Uh, would you like to add anything? If not, that's okay. Um, no, not really. I think like everyone said, we all have different cultures and um, different challenges. For example, for Sterling, I love 
yeah, for Sterling, it's engagement because we're quite a small university and there's quite a lot of different societies. It's kind of hard um, to make us stand out, but I think we found through trial and error, through collaboration, that's the best way for us to get different people, get our name out there and just continue to grow from strength to strength. So I'm quite positive about our progress in the future. Thank you so much, everyone. I think a very similar theme that we've had this entire um, evening has been um, that every bunch is unique in their own way, yet they're all trying to achieve the same goals, even though they might be doing them differently, trying to achieve them differently. And I just wanted to emphasize one point that Zoe made um, just about collaboration, SDG 17. I think it's so great that we're all here today kind of sharing our own experiences and talking about our own different branches, because I think in that way, it's, it's, it's a collaboration in its own way. Um, so one question that I wanted to ask, and actually a question that we asked in our very first episode with Dr. Dorothea Christiana and Dr. Gary Dunn, um, was what does the UN mean to you? And I know it's quite a big question. Dorothea um, did answer in one word. She said um, yeah, the UN means hope to her. Um, so I just wanted to pose that question to all of you. Um, and and see what your thoughts are um simon would you like to go first yeah um i don't think i can sum it up in one word unfortunately uh, but i can try and make a quick summary uh to me it's um, an important unifying force uh which i think has just become even more important now and when you see that i feel like people are just getting more and more polarized around the world so it's it's really important to have that unifying force uh, and I think we've also just seen how precious it has been during the pandemic and how important it has been for the world to to stand united and part of that is obviously through World Health Organization which is you know under the umbrella of the UN. Thank you so much Simon. Um, Laura would you like to add anything or give your thoughts? Sorry. Um, sure I think you say something different than Simon or Dr. Dorothea. I'll have to go with collaboration. Um, if I had to pick one word, I think collaboration to me means um, it's kind of like the essential part of, you know, collaborative game and moving forward as a united front. So I'll have to go with that. Thank you, Laura. Elena? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I think that to me, the UN means the, the possibility for uh, big changes to happen in the world. Uh, you know, the work carried out at the UN makes me hopeful and pushes me to do my little part uh, in this uh, very complicated world we live in. I see so many people work in the UN that really care about what they do and that love doing their job because they see a purpose in it. And so that, that's all I want and wish for myself in the future. And that's why I'm drawn to, to this organization. Thank you so much, Elena. Nigel? Not one word, but one phrase. To me, the UN is the embodiment of cosmopolitan thinking. Um, because it seems to me that um, if any of us, and I think we all do accept some form of global or cosmopolitan ethic, that all human beings matter equally, and we must do what we can to promote uh, everyone's well-being and not undermine it, however indirectly. Um, we need institutions that embody that global ethic. And I remember many years ago reading a, a philosopher called Bradley, who talked about morality having a body and a soul. And morality as a living entity has to have the soul of individual moral wills 
and the body of social institutions and traditions. And I adapted that and said, basically, the UN is one of the embodiments of global values. Thank you so much, Nigel. Um, Michael, would you like to go next? Yeah, um, <laughs> picking up on what Nigel said, um, I, I had a couple of things that I um, wasn't sure which one I'd go for <laughs> in terms of um, what it meant for me. Uh, one of them was actually that it was a kind of global conscience, which I, I think picks up on what Nigel was talking about. Um, but the one I actually was going to go for was that for me, it, it's about helping people to protect their ideals um, in, in a realistic way um, so that they not give in to cynicism or isolationism. Thank you so much, Michael. I completely agree with that, with the, especially the second point. Um, so, would you like to go next? Building on Alina's point, I think for me, um, the UN just is like action because there's just so many areas dealing with so many issues that allows for like a whole system opportunity for a change. And I think that's pretty amazing. And I think that's something that can continually be reformed and built upon and allow people to work from, you know, bottom up to top down. And I think that's pretty amazing. Thank you, Zoe. Um, Jereen, would you like to go next? Yeah, I would define UN as people from different backgrounds and all walks of life coming together to make a social impact, whether locally, nationally, or internationally. Thank you so much. Those were really great answers. Thank you. Um, I am now leading into our last question. Um, and this is going to be more for our local listeners, I think. Um, and it is. What can people do to get involved in your branch and what advice would you give them if they're interested in working in this field, becoming a branch leader or even forming their own local branch? Um, and Jereen, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you because you spoke a bit about um, the troubles and experience that you've had uh, building your branch in St. Andrews. So I hope that's okay. Yeah, I think um, now we're quite a solid organization being start, you know, since it's been a long time since 2018. But as a society, um, our target is students at St. Andrews. So to join the student uh, society itself, we have applications at the end and beginning of the academic year. So creating this application process and, you know, having people in each subcommittee allows um, very motivated students to stay engaged throughout the year and be able to develop as a team because we really want to um, encourage teamwork. Um, but obviously, if there's um, if they're not a member, it's still we still com would completely like to have so many people involved. So if there's people who wants to approach us and they have a specific opportunity that they want to pursue, we definitely welcome them as well, and we try to kind of try to create um, opportunities that would um, match their wants. So we've definitely we've also had like this guy who wanted to fundraise for the same issue that we wanted to fundraise for. So we've kind of collaborated, and uh, that's how kind of um, we've helped other people get involved in our branch. And we also open our events to everyone's, and that's where we notice that there's some locals in Dundee who visit us as well. And UNA Dundee has also kindly visited our events in the past. So we really like having people that are not necessarily St. Andrews students also involved in um, some way. That's fantastic. Thank you, Jereen. Um, I think the most intuitive person to ask next is, is Michael. Uh, I'm not sure if I've got much to say in terms of uh, um, 
in terms of forming the branch, I think there's still so much in the process of doing it that I've not got much advice. I, we're still very much still trying to to get members. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe just learning from the other branches would be a, a good start um, because everyone's got the same issue. So um, listen and learn. <laughs> I think that's that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much, um, Nigel. Yes, I think what I want to say, if I came across anyone who was sort of interested in getting involved in what we do, do you want to make a difference? I mean, something that you, uh, Simon mentioned earlier. Do you want to make a difference? Because this is the kind of organisation where if you get involved, you can make a difference. And I'd link that to something that I like to say to people quite often. If it was said of uh, me many years ago when I gave a lecture on the environment. I painted a very pessimistic environment. And then I gave all sorts of moral arguments as to why we should do something about it. And somebody summed up my position and said, you're a moral optimist and a factual pessimist. And I think it's very important for us to build on that sense that, okay, the world is in a mess and we can all recognize the terrible things in the world. But at the same time, we can make a difference as moral beings because we can recognize the possibility of making a difference at small levels and bigger levels. And then just to reinforce that sense of being able to make a difference because we think of ourselves as moral optimists. Thank you so much, Nigel. Um, so? Yeah, start with what people can do to get involved in our branch. Um, we have a Facebook, a LinkedIn, and Instagram. So you can just follow us there for updates or you can email us. And in terms of starting a branch, I would say um, be open to new opportunities and experiences, be passionate, but also be practical because like was mentioned earlier, um, people have different obligations and you need to be able to work around that, understand your audience, their time um, obligations as well and work around that. Thank you so much. Um, Simon, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I can just... Uh... Uh, let everyone know how easy it is to, to join uh, UNA Edinburgh. Uh, it's open to everyone under the age of 16 and you don't need to be based in Edinburgh either and it's completely free. So you could either email me, um, yeah, you can feel free to circulate my email address later on or you could visit uh, UNHScotland org.uk, the UN House of the website, and go to the branches page in Edinburgh and you'll find uh, contact details there as well. Thank you so much, Simon. And how about UNA Dundee? Yeah, in terms of uh, advice that I would give to someone looking to join this field, I would tell them to, to get out there, try new things, offer to help out on projects. Do not be afraid to be rejected because everyone always loves uh, to have an extra hand to work on projects. And UNA is a big family, especially, and each of us brings something very valuable to the table. So we're always so happy to welcome new members to teams. Um, if you want to get involved in our brand, so UNA Dundee, you just need to reach out to us on social media. Uh, unfortunately, for now, this is the only way um, to get in contact with us. But we hope to be able to meet you uh, in person soon. For now, you can find us on Instagram as UNA Dundee and on Facebook as United Nations Association Dundee. Also, our, our events are always open to everyone. So everyone's very welcome to, to join. Thank you so much, everyone. And we'll be pushing all of the 
information or their social media or at least a page, a way to access their social media and their way to contact them um, in the description of this podcast episode. Um, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to all of you for taking the time to come and speak with us today and um, for giving us a little taste or uh, explaining your branch and your experiences to our listeners today and to us as well. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, this is amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the United Nations House Scotland podcast. The hosts of this podcast are all volunteers with UN House Scotland. If you'd like to get involved or learn more, please visit the UNHS website at unhscotland.org.uk. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for us to discuss on the podcast, please email us at podcast at unhscotland.org.uk. Don't forget to follow us on our podcast platforms if you'd like to be notified of a new episode. We currently upload new episodes every two weeks. Thank you for listening and see you soon.